If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 3. If you're new or visiting today, we are in week 3 of a year-long study in the book of Acts, and I wanted to begin by just reading the first 11 verses, and uh, that'll get us started for the day. So Acts chapter 3 verse 1 says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for this story that Luke recorded for us in the book of Acts. And I pray, Holy Spirit, today that you would give us eyes to see it for what it is. It's, it's a story of a man that's been healed, but there's so much more to it. Our story can be found in that story and the motivation for living for you is found in that story. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would teach us today, but we also pray that you would help us to leave here motivated uh, to speak the name of Jesus everywhere we go. So we give our time to you and we pray that you would move in ways that only you can. It's in the power of your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. So this June will mark my 19th year serving in pastoral ministry, which sounds like a really long time to me, but it's also kind of amazing because I have a marketing degree from IU. So I'm, for the last 19 years, I've been doing something that I just didn't know that I would be doing. And I love it. I love the way that God has gift me, gifted me and wired me. I love serving our church family. But every once in a while, actually on a regular basis, I find myself praying and saying, God, like, am I doing this right? How, do, how would I know? And are there certain things that you want me to measure or not? And so I pray to God and I complain to my wife. That's basically how that works. I'm like, I just don't know. How do I know? Well, two weeks ago, the Holy Spirit used a really sweet young lady from our church family to encourage me. Her name is Arwen. Arwen is about five years old and two weeks ago, her family have been here for about five years or so. And I walked out those doors after preaching one Sunday morning and Arwen met me in the lobby with this Valentine's bag. And inside of it was a packet of Mario Brothers fruit snacks, which I ate on the way home. They were delicious as they always are. But that's not all. Inside of this, she also gave me this portrait of me. Now, if you don't know anything about me, Arwen's going to tell you everything you need to know. Long legs, big heart, right? Long legs, big heart. That's if you, if you need to know me, I've got a big heart, but I'm also kind of tall, right? That's how Arwen sees me. And it made me feel so special. And so I, I told her parents, I said, so what's the story? What made her want to do this? And they said, we really don't know. She came home from church last week and insisted on getting a gift bag because she had a gift to give you. And so here you go. And so I just bent down and I put her sweet little face in my hands. And I said, Arwen, this makes me feel so special. But I said, why'd you give me such a big belly button? And she said, I only know how to draw big belly buttons. <laughs> so, you know, I actually have a herniated belly button. How did she know? I don't know, but... Like it's so good. So I felt, I felt so special. The Holy Spirit used that sweet little girl 
I was driving home that day and I, I felt like the Lord just said, why don't you just keep loving people and I'll take care of the rest. And so that's the plan for the next 19 years of ministry, love people and leave the rest up to him. But I've been thinking about it for the last two weeks. Arwen made me feel really special, but if she really wanted to like hit the mark, she probably should have put cash or a gift card in there, you know, like, cause cash is king. That's a joke, okay. I've got a big heart, Arwen knows that. But here's what I have been thinking. If you have kids or grandkids or you work with kids and you've ever received a work of art like that, you know why it's special. Because they're giving you all that they have. They don't have power. They don't have influence. They're gonna give you the thing. And it's like gonna mean everything to them. One of our kids collects rocks. And if he gives you a rock, it's like he's giving you a lump of gold. I've told people that's his currency. Just take that rock and treasure it, okay? So sometimes when, when kids give us things like that, it's, it's worth more than anything money can buy. Now today in Acts chapter three, we're gonna see two of Jesus's followers in a similar situation. They're gonna come across a man who is in need and he's looking for money and they don't have money, but like Arwen, they decide to give the one thing that they have to give and the gift that they give is more valuable than anything that money could buy for this man. So let's dive in. Acts chapter three, verse one. We read this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, we, we've said this a few weeks ago, but we believe that Luke wrote the book of Acts and the gospel of Luke, and he's given us some important details to start off here, okay? First, he mentions that Peter and John are paired together. This is a theme that we see mentioned throughout the gospels. In Luke 5, we learn that they fished together. They were fishing buddies. In Luke 22, Jesus sent the two of them to make preparations for Passover and the Last Supper. In John chapter 20, after Jesus rose from the dead, Peter and John raced to the, cave, to the uh, tomb to see if Jesus had actually risen from the dead. And now in Acts 3, they're paired up together. They're going into the temple, the most sacred space in Jerusalem. Now, here's why I think this is important for us. If the buddy system was important for us, it's probably important for us as well. Jesus would send them out in twos. And so we see them modeling for this. So, so maybe the best thing we can do is pray, hey, God, would you provide me with someone that I can partner up and do ministry with at home and in the neighborhood and wherever else I go? So there's that. But let's jump in to the rest of verse one. It says they were going to the temple at three in the afternoon. That seems like a random detail except that in Mark's gospel, Mark 15, tells us that it was at three in the afternoon when Jesus died on the cross. It was that same hour of the day. And we don't know this for sure, but it's possible that they were going to the temple. Every day when they went to the temple to pray at three, they were remembering what Jesus had accomplished for them and for us. Let's keep moving on to verse two. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Now, the Beautiful Gate was one of many different gates that would lead into the temple area, but the Jewish historian Josephus describes the temple gate saying it was 75 feet tall. It was covered in fine Corinthian brass. It had huge double doors and it was so fancy, it was so ornate that it was more beautiful than other gates that were covered in gold or silver. Okay, so just picture something like that. Now, to put this in today's terms, it was called a beautiful gate back then. Today, I think we'd call it the bougie gate. It was really fancy. You would expect to find it in the Arch District in Carmel, right? And it represented a high traffic area. It's where people would go in, they would enter in this gate to go in to worship God. But apparently it was also a popular place for people that were sick to sit and to beg for money. 
And in first century Judaism, the practice of giving to the poor was called giving alms. And almsgiving was a, an important spiritual practice. It was the way that the community, the people of the community could care for, for sick people. And if we read into chapter four, what we're gonna discover is this man was over 40 years old. And there's evidence in this story that he had sat at that gate a lot. People knew who he was. So for 40 years, he's been begging for money. And now look at verses three and four. When he, this crippled man, saw Peter and John about to enter, he asks them for money. Peter looks straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Now, I think we've all had an experience like this where we've seen someone asking for money and we know right, right here, like Peter, you've made a rookie mistake. You never, ever, ever make eye contact. Don't ever look at them because they're gonna expect something in return, right? These kind of situations, they make us, they make us feel kind of awkward. And it's easy to dehumanize people and to not make eye contact. But Peter locks eyes with him. He begins to speak to him. He says, look at us. Look at verse five. The man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. The man was hoping for money. I think he was hoping to get a little bit of money to meet some of his basic needs that day. But Peter and John are like, we don't have money. But like Arwen, they say, we're gonna give you the one thing that we do have. And then look at verse seven taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and the man's ankles became strong. Now, I wanna go back to Acts chapter one for a moment. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, this is kind of the theme verse for this whole series. Jesus told his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses as you go into the world. And now in chapter three, we see Peter and John putting their witness for Jesus on display. They are getting ready. They just performed the first miracle in the early church in the power of Jesus' name. And Luke tells us that this man's healing was instant. It was instantaneous. Now, this is significant because if you remember a few weeks ago, we learned that Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. And G. Campbell Morgan explains that Luke is giving us a medical explanation of his healing. This is what Morgan writes. He says, the words that Luke uses for feet and ankle bones aren't found anywhere else in scripture, only here in Acts chapter three. And they're used to distinguish between different parts of the human heel. So Luke has given us a very detailed medical description. And then the word Luke uses for become strong describes something that was out of socket coming into joint. In other words, Campbell writes, Luke is giving us a specific medical description of how this man was healed completely and instantly. And in that moment in time, Peter begins to put his faith in Jesus into motion and on display. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, he reaches out and grabs that man's hand and he stands up and begins walking for the very first time in his life. Now look at verse eight. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with him into the temple court. It's possible this man has never gone into the temple court before. He's never been allowed in. And he's walking and he's jumping and he's praising God. Now, if you put yourself in this guy's position, he had been taken to that gate so often that people knew him and he was hoping to get enough money to get an Egg McMuffin. I just need enough to eat on today. And I'll come back and do the same thing again tomorrow. But now his life is changed. He can walk, but he's not just walking. 
He's jumping and he's leaping and he's praising God. Now the Old Testament prophet Isaiah had written 700 years before predicting the coming of the Messiah. He said there will be a day when the lame will leap like a deer. And that's what's happening here. Now, I I don't have documentation to prove this, but I think this is where the gritty was invented. Have you seen high schoolers doing that ridiculous dance that they do? I, it's called a grit, the gritty. Ask a high schooler to do it. You'd be like, that's ridiculous. But it's like this, some celebration dance, right? I think this is what this guy is doing here. He's jumping, he's praising God, he's celebrating. And look at the response, verse nine. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. Luke tells us we all know who, who that guy was because he sat there every day and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, in the first three chapters of the book of Acts, I want you to pay attention to this. I think it's gonna continue to happen. Luke uses words like wonder and amazement and awe to describe people's response to the work of the Holy Spirit with Jesus's followers. And the people's wonder and amazement here is just the beginning of the story. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, look at this, all the people were astonished and they came Running, There was a stampede coming towards them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade, which would be just outside of the beautiful gate. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? Now, why would Peter say that? Why would that be his response? I think if you take a moment and you look at the chronology of how things are playing out, Luke tells us in Acts chapter one, After his resurrection, Jesus walked the earth with his disciples for about 40 days, about a month and a half. And then, and all that happened in the city of Jerusalem. So people would be talking about Jesus in and around Jerusalem. And then 10 days after his resurrection, I'm sorry, after his ascension to heaven, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus' followers in power. 3,000 people were baptized. The church is born in Jerusalem. And people are talking about Jesus. And now a few days later in Acts chapter three, Luke tells us, that in the temple courts, the most holy place in Jerusalem, there is a man that has been healed. He was born lame and now he is leaping and praising God. The city of Jerusalem was buzzing with news about Jesus. And so when all these people run to Peter and John, Peter just says, don't look at us. Jesus did this. He continues, he begins to preach in verse 13. He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant, Jesus. He goes, if you are familiar with the Old Testament, we've been waiting for the Messiah. This is the continuation of that story. It's all about Jesus. You handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. He continues into verse 16. It's by faith in the name of Jesus that this man whom you see and know was made strong, It is Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Peter uses this as an opportunity to begin to tell people about Jesus, but here's what I want you to see. Notice he does not take credit himself, but he also doesn't back down from being bold. Listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, you killed the author of, of life. He's referring to Jesus as the author of life. You killed him and now God has raised him from the dead. Look at this next verse. We are witnesses to this. This goes back to Acts chapter one, verse eight, when Jesus says, you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're gonna be my witnesses. And now Peter is saying, I am here. You wanna know what happened? I am witnessing to you 
to the power of the resurrection of Jesus in the hope that is found in his name. Now that's really, really bold. And if you keep reading through the rest of Acts chapter three and into chapter four, we're gonna see how Peter preaches powerfully, how God uses this man's healing and several thousand more people become followers of Jesus. The church is exploding in growth. We're gonna talk about a lot of that next week, but for now, I wanna hit pause and I want us to ask an important question. What does this story that we just read, these 11 verses, what does it have to do with us? How does it apply for us and how can we use it to go into the world and to help people understand who Jesus is and why he has come? And to do that, I wanna back up a few verses. I wanna go back to verses 11 and 12, but I wanna read them to you in the New Living Translation because the New Living Translation uses a, a word that I think will be helpful for us. So Peter heals this man. All the people become, they come rushing at him. Verse 11, they rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding on tight to Peter and John. Now here's a question. When Peter and John went into the temple courts that day at 3 p.m., do you think they anticipated performing the first miracle in the early church? Maybe, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to ask them when I get to heaven. Did you guys anticipate that? Do you think they anticipated a crowd of several hundred people stampeding towards them? I don't know. I don't ever anticipate that happening to me. I'm gonna guess they didn't either, but I want you to see Peter's response. Look at verse 12. Peter saw his opportunity and he addressed the crowd. He didn't freak out. He didn't run away. He didn't take credit for it. And I think this brings up a really good question for me and you. Are you looking for opportunities to reach out and to speak out in Jesus' name? And I know that seems overwhelming, but all throughout the book of Acts, we see Peter and John modeling this for us. It's going through our days. It's living with our families and amongst our friends and working with our peers and looking for opportunities to speak the power of the name of Jesus, to model the power of Jesus so people can find forgiveness and healing and hope. Now, I realize the thought of sharing our faith is pretty overwhelming. And we don't live in a world where it's very well received. And we assume that we'll always go bad or we're gonna be outcast because of it. But what we see in the book of Acts is none of us do that alone. We, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit to go. And if we, if we look for opportunities, he will use us in whatever way he sees fit to make that happen. So what, what does it look like? How do you start? Where do you begin? Well, Jesus said, you be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. I had a friend this week share a story with me. She and her husband were shopping for cars out of town, okay? And they're on this car lot and my friend begins praying. And she's like, God, will you just help me to learn how to share the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel with people in a clear way? She's just walking around praying. And while she's there, she comes up on this really beautiful, very expensive car. And she's like enjoying looking at the car. And a guy walks up to this car and he says, you know, I've got four cars and I've always wanted a car like this. And then he goes on to say, I figure I've got about 20 more years to live, so I figure I should probably go out in style. I personally think he was trying to impress her, possibly even hitting on her, but what he didn't know was she was praying for an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. And so she says, oh, that's interesting. Do you know where you're gonna go when you leave the earth? Because you can know today, right? Now, this sounds like a made-up story. This is a true story. And the guy says to her in an instant, he said, well, I've had a couple of friends die recently. And I told one of them, why don't you come back and tell me what it's like? And my friend didn't miss a beat. She said, I, I don't think you're gonna get a good answer that way. 
How many of you are anxious at this part of the story? You're like, oh my gosh, I would rather just die and go be with Jesus. I like, forget that. Who, who wants to do this? And then the guy says this. He says, but where's God in this world? There's so much fighting and death and disease. Like, where on earth is he? And my friend admitted, she said, Jerry, I was so nervous. But I just continued to pray in the moment. Lord, will you give me the words? And I'm gonna read to you what she said to me. She said, those are good questions. But they're also the reason that Jesus has come into our earth. He's come to heal our brokenness. He's come so we can have new life in him. Now, the conversation didn't go much further than that. But my friend did tell me, she said, you know, I'm so glad that I responded to that opportunity. And because of that opportunity, she said, I've been praying for this man. And I, I just pray that he finds Jesus eventually. Now that happened out of town somewhere. And the chances of them meeting this side of heaven are pretty slim. But my friend is now praying for this guy, hoping that he will find the hope that, that is available in Jesus. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friend taught me this week, the ends of the earth where we're to take the message, it includes sharing Jesus with wealthy creepers on car lots. There's no place that we don't carry this message. We need to carry it around our dinner table. We need to take it with us on the bus and in the hallways at school and in our cube at work, across the fence in the backyard. Everywhere we go, we have been equipped and empowered to share the name of Jesus and to share what he's done in our life. Have you ever heard the phrase, you can't steer a parked car? If you're sitting in a parked car, you can work on the steering wheel all you want. It's not gonna go anywhere, but once it's moving, you can actually steer it, right? Well, I, I think that phrase actually applies to our spiritual life as well. Because Jesus did not say, you stay put, don't move. He said, you go. And as you go, I will show you where to go. The Holy Spirit will lead you where to go. And so he didn't call us to be undercover agents, right? He's saying, go, and as you go, pray for opportunities. Pair up with somebody. Carry out this mission that I have given you. And in the book of Acts, we know guys like Peter and John, but there's countless other people that are never named. And the, the, the church spreads from home to home and city to city, country to country, and it's still going, and so we just have to go and move and say, Holy Spirit, show me an opportunity to share today. So where do we begin? What's it look like for me and you? Well, I think a great place to start is to pray. Father, will you show me opportunities? Holy Spirit, will you help me to be ready? Will you give me courage in the moment? But then the question is, well, what do I, what do I say? I wanna share a tool with you that we've shared here before. Some of you may, maybe have seen this. We, this is part of our multiply training. And it's a really easy to understand explanation of the gospel, but it's also a way that you can share your story and what Jesus has done for you. So it's called the three circles. It was created by Pastor Jimmy Scroggins and it involves three simple circles. I'm gonna walk you through this so you can see how it works, okay? So the first circle speaks about God's design and scripture tells us that God's design in the beginning, everything was created perfectly. He created us for a perfect relationship with him so that we can know him and he can know us. But I don't know if you noticed, that's not the way the world's going right now. We're not living in God's design. We are living in a world of brokenness. And there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt in our world. Go ahead and throw up that next slide for me, Sam. We live in a world of brokenness and it hurts, it stings. Now, why is the world broken? Well, scripture explains why. Our sinfulness has caused brokenness and death to enter into our world. And do you see all those little squiggly lines that are going away? 
that's an example of all the things that we look to for healing. We try to heal our brokenness by turning to relationships and getting addicted to things like sex and pornography, drugs, alcohol, sports. You fill in the blank. We look to all kinds of things to heal the hurt that we feel, but we can't, not on our own. And not only that, the brokenness in this world, God promises it leads to death, but not just a physical death, a spiritual death and an eternal separation from God. This second circle is separated from God. So what does that mean for us? Well, the good news is our brokenness actually can lead us to restoration, but it's not a restoration we can bring upon ourselves. This is why Jesus has come. This is where the third circle comes in. So you'll notice in the Jesus circle, there's a cross, there's an arrow pointing down and an arrow pointing up. This reminds us that Jesus has, as scripture teaches us, he walked this earth as a human, just like me and you, He experienced pain and suffering, but he never sinned. And when he hung on the cross, I want you to think about this. As he hung on the cross, scripture teaches us that God took all of the pain and penalty that we deserve and heaped it on to Jesus. And when he died, he took on the penalty that you and I deserve. Jesus could have lived forever as a human because he'd never sinned against God. So when he died, he died in our place. But then he rose from the dead three days later. That's the message of the New Testament. We don't worship a dead guy. We worship a guy that was dead and came back from the dead. And we have the power to live under, receive forgiveness, to be empowered by his spirit. So how do we receive that? Well, there's two things that scripture speak, uh, kind of spells out for us. The first is we, we turn from our sins. We repent. Peter's gonna talk about this in just a moment. Repentance means to do a U-turn. We realize I am walking away from God. I turn back to him. And then I put my trust, my faith, my belief in Jesus. And then an amazing thing happens. Scripture teaches us this. We become a new creation in Christ and we begin to follow Jesus. And he makes us new in every way imaginable. He fills us with the spirit. He adopts us into his family. And then look at this. See the go arrow? He sends us back into the, we don't run away from brokenness. The church exists to lean into brokenness and to bring the healing of Jesus with us everywhere we go. Now that's a really quick flyover, okay? If you want a greater explanation of this, it's available on our website at genesischurch.me forward slash three circles. You can Google Jimmy Scroggins or Three Circles Gospel, and you can watch videos that'll walk you through how to share that. At the Info Hub today, we've ordered these stickers. I've seen people that have put these on the back of their phone as a way to start up a conversation, or I've got one sitting on my laptop. Every time I look at it, I'm just reminded of the simplicity of what it looks like to tell other people about who Jesus is and why he has come. So you can grab those in the lobby. But the reason we're sharing this with you is, guys, this, this, this is the message This is the message of Acts. This is what we're called to do. Listen to what Peter says in Acts chapter three, verse 19. He's preaching to this crowd that wants to know how this has happened. And he says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter says, acknowledge that you have sinned. Turn to God. He wants to forgive you. And then he says, times of refreshment will come from God. We live in a world that needs that refreshment. We need that refreshment. Every day, we need to be reminded of the truth of what we believe. We need to get past being Christians and start living as followers of Jesus where we realize, on my own, I can't do this. 
I need the Spirit's help through faith in Jesus. I don't have to live under this idea of self-righteousness that I can earn it on my own. And we get to speak about his forgiveness and the wholeness that he can bring, the healing that he can bring. And as we study through the book of Acts, we're gonna see chapter after chapter how people embraced this message and they lived it out in the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's something else I want us to see about this man's story in Acts chapter three. It's a picture of the gospel and it's a mirror of our life. Luke tells us that this man was born crippled from birth. Scripture teaches us that we are all born in sin and we are not able to walk in the righteousness that God requires. We're all born crippled. This man was poor and had to beg for money. Our sin has caused us to be bankrupt before God. We cannot repay the debt that we owe him in our relationship. This man was cast outside of the temple. He wasn't able to go and enter into God's presence. Our sin separates us from God's presence. But this man was saved by grace through faith in the power of the name of Jesus. And the same thing is true for us. That's how we are made right with God. And just like this man, he responded by rejoicing and celebrating and let every, letting everyone know what happened. That's what we're called to. That's how we're called to respond. Now, when I read this story, I think it's pretty fascinating. It's very piercing actually, how it applies to us and how it should motivate us, just like Peter and John to go and share, to live as witnesses for Jesus. But there's one aspect of this story that would be really easy for us to get hung up on. And it would be easy for us to say, yeah, but there's this thing. It's his miraculous healing. And I don't know if you've ever witnessed a, a miracle before. The thing that makes a miracle special is they just don't happen all the time, but it's a clear move of God. And some people need to see or hear about something like that tangible and say, okay, I just need to know that God can work like that. Now, maybe you have one, but if you don't, I wanna share one with you. And it's pretty fascinating. Remember my friend Arwen that I was telling you about earlier? Arwen is, now she's the third of four children but her, my, her mom was telling me her pregnancy was completely healthy. Everything was fine until labor and delivery. And something happened when she was in the process of being born and she was born stillborn. Now I thought I knew what stillborn meant. So I looked it up. It means she was born, she wasn't breathing. She was dead. Her body was blue. And in a moment, all these doctors and nurses rushed her away from her poor mom and her dad. They were wondering what is going on. They don't know what's happening and they did the only thing they could do. They began to send out text messages and asking people to pray. Arwen's not breathing, we don't know, we have no idea. And they began to call on the name of Jesus. That little girl did not breathe on her own for 14 minutes, you guys, 14 minutes. Statistically, you go without oxygen for four minutes, you're brain dead. Here's what's really cool though. It wasn't just her parents and family that were praying. There were doctors and there were nurses in that hospital room in Georgia. Several of them began praying. In fact, that the lead NICU doctor was praying. And in a moment of desperation, he's praying for this little girl. And, and I'm sorry, she said, baby girl, if, if you don't breathe in the next 30 seconds, I have to take you to your parents so they can tell you goodbye. And she started breathing. She started breathing. Now that was five years ago. And the doctors told her parents like, you need to be ready. Like 
you need to anticipate lots of brain damage. You need to anticipate her suffering with cerebral palsy. Arwen runs around our lobby like it ain't no big deal. There is no lasting effects. And her parents, her family, they are so grateful for the doctors and nurses that worked on her. But if you're gonna ask them, they're gonna tell you she was healed by the power of Jesus. There's no other reason that she would be operating normal. And so if you need to tell a story of a miracle, just go tell her story. I shared her story at the bus stop this week with a guy. I said, I'm gonna see how this goes. He said, that really happened? I said, yes. There was somebody in the lobby that met me after first service. He said, you know her? I said, I know her, I've hugged her. She's amazing. She's a spunky third born. She's gonna be president one day. If you need to share a story of a miracle, tell her story, but tell your story. Because it's the power of Jesus's name that holds our universe together every day. It's the power in Jesus's name that forgives us of our sins. And we've been given that power to go and declare it everywhere we go. There are people that need to know that that's possible, but it's not just physical life, it's spiritual life and healing that can only be found in the name of Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus, I have a newsflash for you. You probably know this. You're not a secret agent. You are a witness. And we're called to witness for him everywhere we go. Pray for a partner, but the Holy Spirit is with you. Don't go by yourself. Pray for the Holy Spirit to go ahead of you and to prepare opportunities. But if you've never responded to the goodness of Jesus today, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. And so during this next song, you can come forward. I'd love to talk with you. We've got people that would love to pray with you, but you can know that you are forgiven. You can know that God wants to reshape your life moving forward. And if you were to die today, you can know without a shadow of a doubt, you would go and be with him in a much better place than this. But in the meantime, we live and we wait for him to return. There is power in his name. Let's pray. Jesus, we surrender to the power of your name. The power of your name started a revival at a school in Kentucky this last week. And it's beginning to spread to other college campuses. You're moving in the hearts of young people. Would you move in our hearts here at Genesis? We don't wanna just be Christians that go to church and check a box. We wanna be followers of Jesus that are living on mission by the power of your spirit to share your story and your goodness. Holy Spirit, would you give us divine courage to stare down death and we would share the power of your name everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, would you help us to encounter you? Would you help us as we go today to be looking for opportunities? And Jesus, help us to do it all for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you stand?